Welcome to Kai Hachison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, and collectors are all encouraged to join numerous live events, to share with each other, to inspire one another, and ultimately to create better art and tattoos together. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. It is a great March morning here in Wisconsin. We are with Jake Meeks for a wonderful Monday morning drawing group. If you go to community.reinventingthetattoo.com, you'll see all of our events posted regularly. Um, thank to you, thanks to you in part by our sponsors, which we always want to thank them for their contributions. We've got Inkjet Stencils, we've got Raw Pigments, Jesse Smith at Loose Screw Tattoo, and Cheyenne Tattoo Equipment. Um, this morning we have Jake Meeks of our affiliate Fireside Tattoo Network. We've got Amy Nichols here. Um, let's go ahead and kick it off with Jake. Jake, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. How are you? Uh, it's a little bit early, but I'm doing really well over here. Sweet. Hey, how are you, Amy? <laughs> I'm great, too. I, I am raw as raw can be, so <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I didn't go full makeup for y'all this morning. <laughs> that's, that's all right. That's all right. I, I didn't either, for, you know, for a change. Normally, I really get dressed up for this. Yeah. I'm trying to look my best. <laughs> where, uh, where, where are you out of? I'm out of uh, Maryland. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. And you, yeah. you're, have you been on before or no? Have you zoomed in no. before? No. Oh, it's sweet. my First time I've watched you before on yeah. uh, Facebook Live and stuff like that. Never joined. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. thanks for jumping on. Definitely. We'll get a handful of folks on here. People tend to trickle in. It is it is a little bit early uh, for, for most people, but it's funny because a lot of times we end up with people from like uh, from overseas and it's like mid late afternoon for them and they're all chipper and ready to go. <laughs> uh, uh, what, I look uh, forward to changing my schedule so um it is early for me right now but i'm hoping that it will not be forever yeah <laughs> yeah I really a, savings does kind of put a damper on it yeah so. yeah i have a, a a 11 year old so he's like he just left for school so we start pretty early i try we try to get him up at like 6 15 or so out, out we're in um central time so we get him up at like six fifteen. So I'm up for at least you know an hour and a half or more before this. So I would like, I'm 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 good. I'm good. Usually by eight o'clock, I'm good. So, uh, what? Uh, so you're a, you're a tattooer? Yes, yes, I for am. How, for uh, how long have you been tattooing? About twelve years now, um, and uh, I'm also a podcaster too. So oh sweet yeah. Yeah, nice. what, so what, I was posting podcast stuff before I was here, but that didn't get uh, makeup on my face. <laughs> <laughs> do you do uh, video or audio only? What kind of podcast? Audio only. It's called The Apprenticeship Diaries. Um, oh. Yeah, I actually have been talking back and forth with Gabe, and I think they're going to uh, stream it on Reinventing the Tattoo app as well, Sweet. which is really cool. I am like my head's exploding. Like, That's really. Awesome. I don't I don't know. I don't know if we're streamlined enough for as as nice as this whole thing is, but we're looking to get better. So it's yeah, good. that's awesome. Yeah. How uh, how long have you been? How many episodes do you have? How long have you been doing it? This would make our seventy fifth episode. Oh, okay. um, at first, at first we centered around tattoo artists, but um, I really branched out to just professionals in general. Um, mm -hmm. the, the goal was just the observance of alternative education and really what gets people to where they are and a focus on the passion that that kind of fuels uh the rest of the journey and all the you know crap for lack of a better word that people go through for the things that they want yeah. and just 
to kind of exhibit like the beginning, like that, that, that place where it's still mucky and still feels really not good and how we all really kind of go through it. And it's to show that it, it gets really better. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. So is it, is it uh, mostly interview focused or do you just kind of like sit and talk? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an apprenticeship diary of mine in itself in just podcasting because I'm, uh, you know, artists, we, we struggle with ego, I think a lot. And for me, it was learning how to interview, how to do all of it. And so uh, a lot of it, yes, the answer to your question is yes, mm -hmm. but interviewing in itself is an art form yeah. and it requires people like me to be silent. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Some of it is listening to myself and being like, shut up, just, just, <laughs> right. There's nothing better. I mean, of course you'll, you'll be overcritical of yourself, but just going through and editing your own, um, your own, uh, podcast and just going like, wow, it's amazing how many times I can say, um, in a 30 yeah. second period or, or just, you know, or interrupt. I've, I've learned a lot through zoom interviews because in that well i've learned to fix it now but originally i had it in speaker mode you know with ours being video I, people would be talking or showing something and i'm going oh mm -hmm, yeah and so the, it's constantly cutting over to me on the you know on the video and it's like wow and so that just like that like highlights how many times i open my mouth for no reason at all because it just pops over to my face every time you know uh, oh yeah so I've, I've had to learn to get better about that i've learned to keep myself on mute there's a cool trick on zoom if you just keep yourself on mute and hold down the space bar it unmutes you i didn't know that for the longest time so you can like oh. temporarily kind of unmute yourself just when you want to talk and then all of your ums and ahs nobody hears it's great oh that's a great tip um it also adds one more thing to do before you speak Right. Just kind of trains you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's 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 tricky. I I never would, I never found myself being very good at interviews. Even even up to now, I've I've kept it so discussion based that I always have kind of. But ours didn't start as an interview show. It started as a just me and a buddy of mine talking shop basically. So it was kind of a back and forth. And then I just kind of kept it that way when it transitioned to an interview show where I try to share as much as I ask. Uh, but it's not that I necessarily want to share as much as I ask. It's just that I'm not a great interviewer. <laughs> it's the only way I know how to like inter interact with people. So. I'm finding a lot of, um, I'm finding a lot of ego, um, ego stripping things here, which is great because that's the whole point, right? Like as you learn, you kind of realize that it can get in the way of the things that you want the most if you don't learn how to curb it. So, you know, the whole point of the podcast is truthfully, in my experience, I didn't really like most tattoo artists, uh, but it was a perception given a lot of outside noise that wasn't actually speaking to them. And so I wanted to network and I wanted to meet more people. So, and, and within that, I found that I've I really like a hell of a lot more than I thought I did. And a lot of it might've been me. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, yeah, that, that's a, yeah, that's a great thing to, to learn to find out. And, and like you said, there's, there are a lot of egos and a lot of times there's just this kind of standoffishness whenever you first, you know, meet another tattooer, you know, first interact with you know, other artists just in general. I don't, I don't know why it is, but, but sometimes when you just like, you know, or most of the time, whenever you sit down and just find 
some commonality. It, first off, it's not very hard to find. And then second, usually you become like great friends. Now I feel like anytime we go, we don't do it anymore these days, but whenever we go to shows now, I feel like it's family reunions, you know, and I used to be so intimidated going to conventions and I would like, you know, years ago, I would just sit at my booth and draw and not look at anyone, even when they came by. And um, now, you know, I can't take five steps without, you know, someone hugging me. So it's like, right? and it was just that little bit of like opening the door, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Uh, one of my, uh, one of my apprentices just joined us, Eric. Oh. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. Hey, Eric, how are you? Good, I'm uh, decent. <laughs> You're decent. <laughs> are you getting, are you getting set up to tattoo? Are you at work or what? I'm seeing appointments. I'm a vet. Oh, okay. You're a vet. Okay. A vet. Wow. <laughs> All right. So what, what, well, that's interesting. Why, uh, what, what made you take on a tattoo apprenticeship if you're a, a, as a vet? You're a full-time vet? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, cause I'd rather be tattooing. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Well, that's really cool. Uh, how long have you been apprenticing? Not long. We started very, very, very a little time ago. We've been working mostly remotely. I was just like, you know, this is the world we're in right now. We're going to basically keep expectations low and work from a very, you know, remote start right now and just feed each other. And I said, look, dude, reinventing the tattoo or just, I got hooked up with them. I've been talking to yeah. Gabe for forever, but, yeah. um, I was like, you should sit in, like, this would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is cool. This thing is, it's fun. It's, um, it's crazy how, you know, this thing started when they first approached me about it, it was, it was going to be like, just a virtual tattoo convention. So they were going to be like, you know, they, they were first going to do one every couple of months with maybe one big one a year. And then they're like, you know, we may just do one every month. And I thought, wow, that's super ambitious. I don't know how you're gonna pull that off. And then the next thing you know, they're like, you know what? We're just gonna not do it that way and do something every single day, like multiple times a day, maybe. It's like, good luck. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you're a part of it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And then I got roped in, but I love it. It, it like, gets, it gets me going, um, uh, you know, on, on Monday mornings. I normally don't get up and draw first thing Monday, but, but um, when Gabe was trying to find a time that would work for, for me and for everyone, uh, he was like, well, Gabe and I, we've, for whatever reason, we've ended up doing these kind of Monday morning text-a-thons, or not Monday morning, every morning. We're just both kind of early. He's our natural early riser, and I get up because of my son. And so we've always kind of text back and forth for several years about tattoo business stuff or whatever else. And um, uh, and so then it just sounded, seemed natural. He was like, well, we're already talking in the mornings. Why don't you just, like, draw in the mornings? Okay, <laughs> You're like, good point, Gabe. <laughs> I guess I could be more productive than just staring at my phone. I could stare at the screen instead, I guess, and draw. It does yeah. help to have something that just drives you. I found that like having the podcast and everything and having these checkpoints where it just keeps that rhythm going. And I think that's part of it too, is finding that rhythm. You know, how much of that have we kind of fallen into that we forget how much we hacked before, you know? Mm -hmm. right. it's, it's, it's really cool, like the things, but you know, you just keep plucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, what is? Uh, how? What's your apprenticeship kind of looking like right now between the two of you guys? You said you're doing it mostly virtually. How? How's it? How's it working? What is? What? Give me some examples of like what kind of stuff you're doing. 
Well, uh, we're art focused for the most point right now, which is why we're here, honestly, because um, a lot of it is just drawing and kind of the kind of drawing that goes down and tattooing, um, thinking beyond the shape of the page, um, understanding that there's different styles. We've been right now, the curriculum is uh, very style focused. So they're doing flash sheets within um, within styles. They can pick whatever um, focus for the flash sheets, but you know, I've kind of given the parameters of the idea of what the flash sheets are supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they have five flash sheets that they have to complete and we're going to look at them. So a lot of it is just seeing where their mind goes. I want to see what they make. And then for me, that'll drive the next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it's, it's really loose and we're really just trying to keep the fundamentals hardcore. I started with, um, I forget the title of the book. It's a green book uh, by, oh crap. But it's all about uh, the tattoo machines, um, the, you know, old school tattoo machines. Uh, yeah. It's gonna suck that I don't have the book in front of me. Um, I'm trying to think about, uh, the only one that I can remember was the tattoo machines and their secrets, but I don't think it's green. I think it was like a black black and white cover. It's the same author. It's like the art it's of- the same, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I started well, with that. Okay. Yeah, well, that's sweet. I'm I'm with you on the on the flash sheet thing. When I we used to uh, uh, or had a few apprentices at a shop that I worked at for for many years before I moved to a to a private studio. And I um, yeah, that's the book that I had, Tattoo Machines and Their Secrets, that you just popped up. Um, uh, but uh, I I love the idea of the flash sheets. Uh, David Evans, my old podcast partner, the guy that used to be on the show with me. Uh, he was he was like a stickler for flash sheets, the exact same way, a flash sheet each week. And there would be some, the apprentice would maybe choose the subject matter and uh, even, and then, you know, that way they were kind of working on things that they were actually interested in. And then he would just critique basically how tattooable it was. Uh, and it worked great because to your point, it opened up a lot of discussions uh, that we probably wouldn't have had otherwise because like a problem presented itself or an issue in the drawing presented itself and you're like oh I would probably wouldn't have thought to explain this but here's what, this what is, might be wrong so this who, is who the book I'm sorry there you go oh, okay yeah that's it <laughs> zoom, zoom I can't I can't see it very oh, well. sorry. sorry no you're good I was uh Lauren can you make her can you feature uh there it's a good book. Oh, okay. Hmm, I don't yeah, know that complete, was a complete artist tattoo. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're good. You got it. I think I'd hack this by now. Huh. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've been doing the, the American traditional sheet this week again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's brutal. It's, 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 it's a lot harder than, than uh, I think people think. <laughs> what are you, uh, what, what are you struggling with? Just drawing? Well, how do you draw normally? Do you, What's your drawing background? It's just making it look right. Cause I, I think, you know, my normal drawing is much more like that, much more flowy and less like hard lines and a lot more, you know, color blending and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big change. Like I, I uh, you know, I, I, the sheet I sent you and me, that was one that was just like a draft like kind of practice and and like the more i look at it the more i'm like this doesn't look right at all and and yeah so i sent it to amy it's like what you know, kind of why doesn't this look right and uh i'm getting there i think i'm getting closer yeah 
Yeah. I think a lot of times I'm with you on that. I never have been a good like one shot traditional tattooer, even though it, and when I came up, that was like the way, you know, there was a very specific method to putting a tattoo in skin. And I think, I do think it's one of the best ways to learn though, uh, because it, you, you ha it forces you to kind of simplify stuff that, you know, maybe you would do you know, the, in your own kind of style. Like, all right, well, you know, if I, how do I turn this into something that I can actually get in and out of the skin without just beating it up too bad? Like, how do I deal with edges and how simple can I make blends? You know, if I would blend this, you know, for, you know, from, from a black to a deep red to a lighter red to an orange, how do I just simplify that from a black to a orange or whatever it is? Like, how, how quickly can I get from A to B? That kind of thing. Uh, it's really helpful, but especially once you start kind of dealing with skin and realizing that the skin isn't cooperating with you and you need a way out of it, you know, which will happen for sure. So have you done any tattoos yet? Uh, I've done a couple little things on myself. Yeah. <laughs> How, what was, uh, what, what, what uh, are you using coils or rotaries or? Uh, for that, I used a rotary. Yeah. It, How, was, uh, it was okay. <laughs> it, it went better than I thought it would and worse than I thought it would in different ways yeah what what surprised you about like putting needles in skin most what, what did you not expect or uh yeah i think it's just it's it's a lot more volatile than i thought it would be <laughs> at least it yeah. yeah uh you know getting getting it to look right is hard yeah yeah and that was, i kind of just did that on my own with no guidance so it was kind of just playing around yeah I, I started the same way, yeah. What's, I, the one thing I remember that surprised me so much in my first tattoos was um, I assumed whenever you dip the ink and needle and you drug it across skin that it would make a mark no matter what. I just yeah. I, I had this assumption that it would just, whatever you did, it would make some, it might not be the mark you wanted, but it would at least make a mark. And then I realized like, oh, wow, there's a great chance I wiped that away and there's nothing there at all. <laughs> That's yeah. a, that was like my biggest kind of revelation to start. I was like, oh, it doesn't just like, needles don't just go in skin. Uh, yeah, yeah, I and mean, yeah, kind of sitting there like scribbling in the the color, the, right. the imagine being like that, and then then wiping it and being like, wow, that looks terrible. There's like <laughs> right. there's like six marks there, not a not a nice color patch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It's um, you get you get. I mean, obviously, you get far away from that stuff, but there are some things you can still. That's why I'll have to go back and start listening to your show because I that's the kind of stuff that like when I hear people that are just we have a lot of people that reach out that are just getting started and of course if they don't have any really great technical guidance the first thing they do is like message the fireside instagram or leave a youtube comment and say will you go look and tell me what i did wrong here and mm -hmm. you know we can't can't go and do that but i read those and i'm like oh man i remember that feeling like so desperate that i'm like back when i did it there was no internet to reach out to anyone but i remember just feeling so helpless and being like why did this not do anything? And then this left the biggest gouge of a mark I could possibly, you know, <laughs> I could possibly imagine. Um, yeah. 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 I get that. <laughs> well, and that was, uh, that was the inspiration, honestly. Like we, um, we wanted, we wanted people to feel, cause a lot of, a lot of, I feel like the current atmosphere is a lot of just unnecessary anxiety where people don't get out of their own way to make sure that they're, you know, learning and, and taking the risks that they need to take sometimes to get to that goal. Like you said, conventions used to be so scary and now it's like coming home. Mm -hmm. All it takes is like shaking a few hands and, you know, yeah. 
trying trying to connect with people and ask and all these things and the internet certainly makes it easier um so yeah uh we're, we're trying a thing remotely right now just to kind of craft a course yeah. line on some levels but we're playing really i mean a lot of it is is um just exploring art and i really with the craft sheets that can be a that can be a commodity all on its own um mm -hmm. but but through it, you might find something that you never thought you would. So I, I really like it as a, a practice. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's, um, and I, I think that's a good point. I mean, whenever you're approaching an apprenticeship in that way, where it's more drawing focused, um, you can just kind of play. One of the, you know, one of the things that I think often go wrong in apprenticeships, especially if you're trying to apprentice multiple, you know, artists at once is, um, you know, you're in a shop and there are tattoo machines around and, and everyone's eager to start tattooing. And you have a lot of people like, you know, tattooing before they really have an understanding of why they're putting any a mark where, it, where they're putting it. And, um, and it seems like the way that you're approaching it is probably uh, uh, probably a lot more, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It's like, uh, not, not as scary, not as, in, not as intimidating. Uh, because who cares if you mess up a flash sheet, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And um, well, and, and part of it is, is the, the business of it, right, too. Like, realizing how diversified your talent can go like you can sell flash sheets like right now like if you do them well and you get really in a rhythm of it that might be a whole thing that you found before you start making money tattooing mm -hmm. so for me it's teaching it's teaching about being a commercial artist in a lot of ways and not not throwing away necessarily things that you think are just exercise you never know what that that could be a t-shirt that could be a button that could be just do it. You know, like, why, why wait now? You know, like do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And until something's on the paper, you don't really know what to, uh, yeah, yeah. What it could become. I mean, I can't tell you how many drawings lay around of mine for weeks or months that seem like complete failures. And then one day you go like, Oh, I know what's wrong with that. And it turns into something that's completely usable. You know, it yeah. just takes like seeing it in the right light and until there's something on the page. You can't do that. So. Yep. So yeah. I think I think getting that rhythm, that heat, that that love and that joy of submitting yourself and then putting it out there and then seeing how it comes back to you is so great. And it might it might be that you're not wanting to be a tattoo artist in the end. Like even if it falls into that you just become this really dope commercial artist in your own right, hey man, that's a success for me. I don't I don't really care where it leads. I want people creating. So yeah. yeah. The goal. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the most valuable kind of um, assets for us here at at, uh, at Fireside is um, uh, uh, a kid who started out wanting to be a tattooer, um, got his dad interested in tattooing. His dad ended up um, uh, was retired and ended up kind of buying a, a, a tattoo and starting a tattoo technology company. Reaching out to to me to try to help his son start tattooing. The son, over the course of time, has decided he doesn't really want to be a tattooer anymore, but he's really into um, uh, 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 motion graphics and, and video. And so now he's working with, with us. And we've, we did this series with them on uh, ink physics and ink science. And it looks beautiful. It looks like it belongs on Netflix, like nothing wow. I would ever come up with. And now they're working on, you know, now they're working on other projects with us and doing like, you know, starting to do like cool, like intros and overlays and so he's into all this other stuff. He's still drawing. He's actually been making some flash sheets as well, but, but his, his focus changed, but it all started because he wanted to be a tattooer. Then we met, you know, and then 
And then now he's found another path, but he's found a way to like, it's still, you know, tattooing is still part of his outlet because he's working with Fireside. So it's been, you know, you never know until you start doing something. Yeah. And I, I feel like um, the team makes the dream, man. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you right. never know who you're going to meet and how they're going to help you. And that's why it's very important not to burn bridges wherever you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you guys in the same town? Will you be able to work together? Okay. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, yes. Once we get there, um, and we play long enough to where I'm like, yeah, I want to build machines together. Like I've never really done it. I want to, I want to do some things that I've never done with them, you know, yeah. to kind of flex muscles yeah. that I've, I've seen it done, but I've never Did done it. The, the course that I sent, the, the email on the, the course on that, on, on this yes. page. On yes, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. Tony Urbanic has a really nice one. Yep. Yeah, I've wanted to take it myself. I, I need it. And, and Lauren, you can jump in at any point, right? I mean, it's all just stored. Like you, you could buy into it now and start at episode one, right? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yeah, that's awesome. We have them all archived. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm um, excited about that. That's probably what I'm going to use because why reinvent the wheel? It's already been done and Tony's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, one morning, uh, Soba jumped in on this morning show and um and he's starting to build rotaries and i used his uh coils i used workhorse irons for years i don't even know how many years before i switched over to uh to rotaries and um uh, I've, I've had it on my to-do on my trello board to reach out to him and get him on the show and uh and uh and see like what he brings from the coil world to the you know to the rotary world we're doing an awesome series right now i'm actually editing some today after we finish this uh with the first episode came out this last week with um, uh, with Carson Hill from Numa Tattoo Machines, and uh, you know he a lot of people credit Carson with the kind of rotary revolution because when he put out that Numa two that um, the uh, pneumatic machine it was like a lot of people think that it's kind of what opened people's minds to something other than a coil being the only solution, and uh, and then shortly after that you know rotary the rotary craze started so. So he's really an interesting and thoughtful guy. Uh, and, and, and his goal with this last machine of his, with his Numa, is really to try to mimic the, the kind of stroke profile of a coil machine as, as best he can. So uh, we've got a really cool series coming out with him. It won't be as like hands-on like the, like the course on reinventing here, but it's a really fun discussion. We've already, we've recorded all of it. I'm just kind of breaking it up into little chunks that are, that are like, uh, manageable to listen to because it's so dense but you know from an information standpoint but um yeah yeah, yeah. i uh that was I, that was a hard thing to learn <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah. love long-term absorptions of information but most people only got like an hour and a half in them for real yeah if that <laughs> right well we're cutting these into like 15 to 20 minutes because it's like, as i go through an edit i'm like man you know even even doing the editing like I had the conversation with him and I was responding. We're talking back and forth. Then I go through an edit and I understand what he said differently than I did whenever I was having the conversation. I'm like, wow, now that I've edited it, I need to go back and actually listen to it again. Maybe the third time I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll have a different understanding. Well, that's great though, that, right. you, that you do that because um, yeah. you're getting very conscientious of your interviews and your style and all that. That's, I mean, it's an art form in itself, right? Right, right, right. yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. I just love that, that this is a possibility now. If I had tried to do this interview on YouTube, you know, when we first started, we would have been 
absolutely bashed. I mean, there would have been, you know, there, there would have been no positive feedback, I don't think. But it's, uh, you know, now, you know, the video, it's, it'll be a week old. I guess we released it last Wednesday or Thursday. So it'll be a week old this week. And it's got thousands of views and almost, you know, 99% positive thumbs ups, you know, a couple of thumb downs. Someone jumps on and thumbs me down on every single episode as fast as they can, but it's only one person or two. So it's not that <laughs> they just hate the idea of, of information sharing. I have such a morbid curiosity of humans like this. I, I don't know why. I'm just like, I want to know what drives you. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm sure it's not the same person, but because it's always one or maybe two, you know, as a video is out longer, you'll get, you'll get more, but it seems like right off the bat, there's always that one. And I'm just dying to have that person on the show. If, if, if right. it is one person, it's like, I'd love to talk to you. I just have no idea why you would, you know, are you setting a reminder in your phone to jump on and dislike the most recent video <laughs> as soon as it comes out? interesting man it's very right. interesting i'm the person that sticks five dollars in the tip jar just so that other people will tip higher <laughs> right. yeah. You know? like, yeah yeah let's let's have higher dollar, dollar bills folks like go i'll start <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah so what so you started uh you started this i guess because of your own apprenticeship so what was your what was your apprenticeship like no, I actually started it because of being a mentor for the first time and how challenging it was beyond what I even tried to hack for myself. Um, I, I tried to pick a very, what I perceived to be an easy candidate. Um, and it was not easy. Uh, and I, I saw that, you know, I didn't perceive my own apprenticeship as easy, but I, I also kind of numbed out through it because of how much I wanted to tattoo. And, um, I had, I actually had four apprenticeships, but uh, like I had two in tattooing and two in, in barbering. So I'm a oh. master barber and I'm also a tattoo artist. So, hmm. um, the, the idea of apprenticeships to me, uh, is, is it's a passion. Cause I think professionally, it's the only best way to learn and to set you up right for whatever profession you're going into. I mean, that's why doctors have clinicals and you know, you have these first starter kind of observances before you actually get loose and, and into your job. Um, lots of lots of professional places have training for the people that the places they want to put them into. But um, for me, with tattooing, it's the the you know the idea of this hasn't been hacked. And for me to like look at the past, look at the present, and kind of like reinventing the tattoo, have a continual observance of what this is and trying to kind of formulate, you know, best practices, best attitudes, um, what to look out for, what are the struggles and for everybody to kind of hear that so that they kind of understand what's already happening, what already has happened and the kind of how to, if they are to um, punish themselves or, uh, you know, whatever, how, how to set that bar. You know, and I, I feel like that was a lot of what I witnessed with my own apprentice is that I, I messed her up in ways that I didn't even think that I would. I mean, I thought like a kid, you know, I thought like a child that you're raising, I'm, I'm removing a lot of trauma from your life and mm -hmm. I'm trying to make it better for you. And I still, I still messed up her head mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, how did I do this? Like, how possibly did I still rock your world and 
it's it's because the times always change and and the observances and the critique always changes and you know with the internet there's a whole nother um level i think to this um because now instead of competing with your hometown you're competing with the world and you're looking at everything and you're like why am i not like here like this and it's like well because you're you and, right, <laughs> and right. it's, that's the point is that you're not supposed to be that person you're supposed to be you and this is your journey and I think it's harder when you have all these tools that once you get going they're amazing you know like they help advertise you they help do all these things connect so many people but in the beginning it's it's like this looming thing in the background just constantly judging you constantly telling you what you need to be and you need to learn to turn it off and focus so yeah. that was a, a lot of it was that i had my apprentice coming to me being like the algorithm didn't pick up my picture how how do i know how good i am and i'm like dude i don't are you here what do you mean <laughs> right right yeah yeah so that's what spawned it. I was trying to, I, I was trying to think of a podcast, it, honestly, within tattooing that would be safe. And for me, the only thing that I could think of was interviewing people about what they went through, uh, a past experience that couldn't be debated. I mean, there's different sides, obviously, you know, given different people, but in truth, the story is the story, you know, and, and everybody who knows, knows you can admit whatever names you want, but it, it, it's valuable to, to tell people what you've actually done. And I don't think people realize sometimes what they've done until they've looked back and they go, Oh shit, I, I did all that. Wow. I, I, I and it, and it renews your confidence in yourself too, to realize what you've actually been through as well. So, yeah. 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 I can imagine that it's uh, it, just thinking about everything you just said, not only from the, the apprentice standpoint, but from the, standpoint of the of the mentor um and and trying to mentor you know used to it was easy to keep an apprentice's attention uh because you were the only source of information for them when it came to tattooing uh and i think you know in some ways that was great and in other ways um it it um cut a lot of people uh short or a lot of people that you know probably struggled to reach their true potential because they're kind of like hindered by the ideas of their you know their mentor but, um, uh, but I think that, you know, um, we, we've been, for example, we've been building for the last several months, this course that I've been calling the Apprentices Toolkit, and it is more technical information. So we have to be more careful about how we, how we get it out there. And I was talking to my team about it. We're like, well, how do we, you know, are we going to start like verifying that people are licensed? Because like, you know, to, to do, Guy has been doing that for years with reinventing, even getting the original before they started doing this, just the first digital reinventing you had to put in shop information. I remember asking him several years ago, like, are you calling all these shops? And he was like, yeah, my assistant's like checking on all of them. It's like, huh, I don't want to do that. And so I, um, and so, uh, uh, but, but my thought was, you know, with this apprentices toolkit, one of the, one of the biggest challenges is on the side of the mentor. And if you can just provide a little bit of an outline, if you went to, to the shops rather than to the apprentices and just try to provide a, you know, a, um, an outline that was very malleable that they could like, you know, that, that they would have input as well, which, which is a little tricky when you're putting it together. But, um, but if you introduce an idea and then and an op opportunity for the, for the mentor and the apprentice to discuss it and, and kind of, you know, make it their own, put their own uh, kind of spin on it, I think it makes it so much easier because if you've never mentored anyone before, 
or or even if you even if you have uh it, and maybe not in, in a while you um you find that you have these ideas uh, or things that you've always done, but you don't really know why. And then you say something out loud. I find myself doing it all the time on our technique episodes. I say something out loud and I go, what, is that true? Like, what, do I even believe that? Or is that just something that I've been doing for so long that, you know, that I, that I believe it because it, yeah, I've made it true to myself. But uh, so I think, you know, if having those, the discussions that it sounds like you're having seems like it could really be beneficial, you know, for, for mentors, you know, as well as apprentices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that um, part of the part of the hack is kind of community buy-in. Like, what what is um, what are the standards? You know, obviously, if you have a person who walks in and they just mention reinventing the tattoo or Guy Atchison or these big, you know, they're already really immersed. I mean, I had a a client recently asked me for an apprenticeship. And she didn't even know that she was asking for an apprenticeship. She's like, can I shadow you or whatever? And I saw no artwork. I've, I've never known this girl was even in art. And I was like, are you for, I said, have you listened to my podcast? She goes, I didn't even know you had one. I was like, oh girl. So like, you know, for me, it's, it's really showing people at least in this day and age, kind of like, what are some of the things that you have to exhibit in order to be an attractive um, option for somebody. Why should somebody give you this opportunity? Mm -hmm. And not to feel bad about it, not to feel hopeless about it, but like, what are some of the things that you can have as a person, as a projection? Because now we're not doing like written resumes, you know, we're sending all this stuff in and all this stuff is being processed remotely. So if somebody can't look up an online portfolio or they can't see your hustle, somewhere on the internet they're going to be like well what where 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 are you telling anybody you want this <laughs> like you know like i don't yeah. i don't want to offer this to you like where where are you showing me you want this and i think that to show people what would make them more attractive in the lines of work that they hope to do is really valuable right now because i think what everyone's seeing is where people are and like these elite status places that everywhere, you know, people are and they don't know how to get there. And so I would like to, to try and give people some helpful hints about how to get there. Yeah, I, I, think, I think proof of, uh, of, of that uh, or evidence of the, the proof of what you're saying is that um, uh, the number of people that are relocating to go to tattoo schools and the number of enrolled, like the, the increasing enrollments and in tattoo schools. We're actually doing a podcast next week with a guy who just reached out out of the blue um, uh, through social media and said that there was a path to um, to apprenticeship that that he hadn't heard me talk about much on the show and wanted to know if we could talk about it. So we jumped on a call last week and um, he was actually someone who learned to tattoo in prison and uh, years ago and uh, with like guitar string style. And, uh, and, and decided that he wanted to be a for real tattooer, but in the digital age, you know, years went by, whatever happened in between, I, I don't know that yet, this is a quick call, but years went by and he's looking now to try to tattoo and, the, and whenever you're looking up how to tattoo, really the clearest path is to move to Oregon and go to tattoo school, you know, if you really want to do it. There's, there's no like, you know, like how, how do I even find a person in my town anymore? No, the idea of walking into a shop with a portfolio now is kind of alien. We don't even call each other on the phone, you know, everything's done through, yeah, it's like the you know doing something in person is 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 intimidating. And so if there's a clear if there's an online application for a tattoo school, you're like, yeah, I guess I could probably move there. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't I don't know enough about well, tattoo schools to say that it is, but 
And it's interesting you bring it up, Jake, because I, um, you know, part of the goal ultimately, and I'm going to be real, real. I mean, all of us need to diversify our income. I'd like to craft, I mean, either with other professionals that we all do it together and get a little piece of this pie that would be amazing for our community. But I feel like having kind of like a, a set online bit of courses, like you're saying, that would quantify not, not not something that necessarily shops could use, but maybe that people could do on their own without mentor buy-in or anything, but that could stand as like, you know, evidence that this is a good candidate. Like, oh, you've, you've done X amount of courses through this highly recognized, you know, entity here. You're the kind of person that I would like to hire as an apprentice. And so for me, if more people understood that like, what they need to do is show that they have interest and passion. And, and if I already see somebody that has done X courses online that, that showcases that, and these courses are professionally screened. So I will feel a lot better about taking a chance on somebody. And I think that that's probably a goal and maybe it's something that we could quantify. I don't know. It's a big thing, but and it would take a lot of community buy-in, but um, I, I would like to, you know, I would like yeah. to submit myself to it because I'm very interested in it. And I have two camps to, to pull from. I have one that's the second oldest profession known to ch prostitution, which is hairstyling. And that profession is so overly regulated. It's beyond. And that's something that I would not want to happen to tattooing. And the minute the schools go up, that's exactly what happens is that once you start teaching people at mass like that, the regulation comes in heavy and hard. And as much as I could, I would like to encourage people to keep our, our craft inward. Let the professionals, the practitioners dictate the terms. Do not let these people outside of us tell us how to do our craft and put the shackles on how we do it because it waters down quality so much it's so obnoxious and it becomes all about money and it's terrible yeah. and so i have a lot of insight about how that happens it happens in our industry i mean i grew up i grew up with this my parents owned a hair salon so it's something i i would really like to like lend at least uh, an ear or a, a voice to at some levels to say like hey be careful about how you do this because you know, our profession, it, it has to stay with the people who do it to yeah. dictate the terms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I see, um, I, I definitely see the risks there, especially with just the volume of people that you're able to, to put through in those types of programs. And if you talk to any uh, organs, the only place that I have any experience or that I know tattooers that, that deal with, uh, you know, with, with artists that come out of these, um, uh, that come out of these schools. And like I said, I know people that, that run, uh, they're, Someone, uh, Shelly Dax, who was on our show not too long ago, runs an Oregon-based school. The guy that I'm doing a, a podcast with this next week goes to an Oregon-based school. But I've also sat down with, say, Jeff Gogway, who's been tattooing in Oregon for years. And, um, uh, and the folks at his shop at 26 Swords, which are solid. I mean, everyone's solid across the solid. board. And they're, and they're um, you know, they're all, like, quick to say, like, it just saturates, like, every time a new class comes out, it saturates the Oregon and Washington and you know, kind of Northern California, all the, the market with so many like young, hungry tattooers that are like doing anything they can to, to pay that tuition back, you know, tattooing out of hotel rooms or Airbnbs or whatever they can, whatever they can do. And it's, um, 
I've never witnessed it personally, but it, it sounds like it could be a real problem if it were to, you know, if it were to spread in, in that way. And that's more, that, that says less about the curriculum that the, that the current schools are putting out and more about just the, uh, uh, the, the volume of potential, like the number of potential tattooers that could be like thrust into the, you know, into the world. Well, yeah, and, and I think that, I think people see tattoo artists as like these, which they should, because we are, we are hustlers, man. Like the, the level to which our professionalism is with our art, with our clients, the, I mean, we, our canvases are people and we open blood up. So like the level of responsibility you have to have is immense, but um, I, I don't think that they really get the full scope of it when they start it. And I feel like, um, I feel like a school, it's like college, right? Like you don't know the full scope of this thing until you're knee deep in debt already. And then you're trying to hustle to make this back. And I, I feel like there should be a, a different way. And that's why I love apprenticeships because it's in-house. You can organize it the way you want to you can set the terms with your own apprentice and you're, shape, you're shaping somebody that ultimately will work with you for you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's, you, you can't replace that kind of in-house um, accountability for it. And for me, that's kind of the only way. I mean, school, I think it's great. It gives you a base level of knowledge and stuff, but I don't want there to be ego that's wrapped up in that or, um, you know, a debt, mm -hmm. debt. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I want people to be able to kind of touch base with these things as much as they can to see whether or not it's for them. And then if it's not move on. And I also don't want it to just be a bunch of trust fund babies that come into it too, because that was fucking art school. I mean, I dropped out and it was obnoxious. The amount of people that were there just doing, I mean, there are projects where like, this isn't, I mean, you could say it's art because you said it's art, but this is, you staying up way too fucking late saying, oh, I have a project and then doing something and then putting it up for me to critique what, <laughs> you know, right, like right. what effort, yeah. you know, like, and because yeah. mommy and daddy paid for you to be here so that you could dick around for four years until they got to pay for something else. Like, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah. It sounds like we went to the same school, same art school. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, except, for they, you know, they, except for they put the work up for critique and have no interest in the critique, just want to defend themselves. Oh, uh, I know, right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I, can, you know, I can say from, from my perspective, like definitely looked at tattoo schools. Like, and I, I think, uh, you know, I started getting tattooed in the 90s. So like, I remember how it used to be, kind of. And so, you know, for me, that didn't seem like the right way to go. And so I, you know, got an apprenticeship instead. Uh, but like, if Amy had been like, no, you know, fuck you, like, it definitely would have been something I would have thought about. And yeah. Yeah. I think what'll happen is if tattoo artists aren't doing that, if they aren't offering schools, somebody will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Because you, you know you'll have somebody that doesn't know what they're doing potentially, and or people who learn on the internet and then are teaching, right? And right. So uh, you know I think there's something to be said for uh, tattoo artists themselves taking the reins there and and uh, offering something. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would. 
there are a lot of good artists out there who mm-hmm. might want to be tattoo artists that don't have that opportunity at all mm-hmm. and and uh, it may not be <laughs> harnessing those kind of talents and those uh, abilities yeah absolutely i I think, um, and I've said it before uh, on our show, whenever people, whenever, you know, we can instantly dismiss the idea of a tattoo school and say that, you know, apprenticeships are inherently better. And I agree that, that, a, that um, a good apprenticeship, it, it, it is fantastic. It can't be beat. I mean, the best artists that trained throughout history worked in an apprenticeship, you know, like the old masters had apprentices and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and all the way down. But um what we see happen a lot in apprenticeships even are these apprentice factories where you have, you know, one artist that's been tattooing three or four years and they take on four apprentices at once. And it's just a way to keep warm bodies in, in chairs. But I'd have to think, uh, Amy, back to your point, if there were a kind of a curriculum that tattooers uh, agreed on, I, I don't believe that even those apprentice factory kind of shops uh, want to be mediocre shops with mediocre, mediocre artists. And, and I, I can think back to my apprenticeship at a terrible, terrible shop. Uh, I started it at 596 and no one could draw. It was just a biker shop, tons of drugs. There was one guy there that just, he could just draw. Uh, he, he wasn't professionally trained. He just drew better than everyone else. And he kind of figured out tattooing on his own. And the owner of that shop was so proud of him, but you know, that's my apprentice. Look at my, my apprentice tattooed this on my arm. It, you know, so no matter how crappy the shop is or how terrible the environment is, they want they want it to be better. I mean, everyone would love for their apprentices to turn out better, you know, to, to turn out to be good and for their shop to, to have some longevity and make some money. So even even with with those types of shops, I think the problem really is just in the access to, you know, information or a clear path to, uh, you know, to to create an accessible apprenticeship, you know. Uh, even, yeah. Well, and it's a. a- uh, a professional standard too of expectation too because you know I've had I've had women come to me and say is it is it okay that this guy said to me like oh I'm I'm really happy you're applying for this job because we don't have any women here yet and um, it would be really nice to have a girl here you know uh, you know it's just it's going to make my shop a lot better and she was you know kind of put aback by that because you know we're in this time frame where like gender and all this stuff is a thing and she was like does that make any sense and she asked me and I and I said well honestly hon I'd have to hear the context in which he said it to know whether or not you should or shouldn't be offended but he's not wrong um if you've been in this business long enough or in any business that requires service um the the simple fact of the matter is is that everybody likes kind of being around a woman for a service it, it's a disarming thing and to have that kind of blend in your studio or just diversification is whether you felt personally like wrong about it or not he he was selling you a very real thing he was telling you something that is very true um whether you you liked it or not um, it's just the simple fact of it. I mean, I've had to learn a lot about what what my sex has done for me or not done for me within this industry, which I don't even know if I could know. But apparently, you know, just the simple fact that I'm a woman in a lot of ways disarms people towards me. 
they don't know me. I'm pretty aggressive as a woman, but, um, <laughs> but for whatever reason that, that does it. And, and these are things that you kind of learn if you've been in it for a while and you take things less personally and you, you kind of understand. Um, but if, but if there's no standard, if there's nothing that you, you know about what to look for, then you're just shooting in the dark until you find something that feels right for you, which is great. But like, if you could, if, if we could quantify this a little bit, just so that people kind of knew what to look for, what is the standard of like how this should go? Um, Cause I listen, I, I'm on Facebook forums, like looking at people and seeing the common questions that they always ask, should there be a contract? You know, how should it go? And there's really no baseline. And that's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, precarious thing that could offer up a lot of abuse to multiple parties involved that I think like you're right Jake I don't think that anybody I think there's a lot of passion there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of a great intention here that you know if if it's done poorly or if it's not organized correctly or or at least tried to be organized correctly there's a lot of abuse that happens and um and people get very discouraged and then the whole the whole view of what we do is not good yeah 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 i agree um uh to your point about about uh women in in, in tattooing i came from a shop that was mostly women it was it, well it was it was owned by a woman first custom shop in memphis first custom shop in memphis period opened in 92 93 and then, uh, and it was opened by a woman. So she went through her fair share of trouble here in the deep South, opening a custom tattoo shop, you know, with, with a bunch of young art kids in the early nineties, you know. Uh, but, um, but that shop it kind of evolved and, and it always, it, we always had more female tattooers than male. And um, I felt like I, I think that I developed a bedside manner and probably a, a lighter kind of, Physically, I'm a lighter kind of tattooer, I think, than most guys because my coworker, like my booth mate, was always a woman. And I don't know why, why that, you know. So, and a lot of times, you know, they, most of their clients were women. So, very often, I was the only guy in the room for years and years on end. And it definitely is a completely different, if, if you go to, say, guest spot at more of a, you know, at, at more of a traditional kind of shop, or you just go to some of these longer running tattoo conventions. If you go to like, say the Richmond show that's been going on forever and you're, and you're around some of those old guys, Richmond show now has tons of really great artists as well, but they've got a lot of those old, you know, still have those guys that were doing them 25, 30 years ago uh, are still there. And you're like, wow, these are completely different worlds that I yeah. we're living in. Well, and, and you said it, art kids. I mean, I do think that um, if you're classically trained in art in a lot of ways, at least fundamentally, you realize the touch factor and you, you have, I think, and I, you know, I don't want to um, diss anybody who taught themselves to draw, but um, you kind of learn a pressure sensitivity even within drawing and you learn to go in light and develop and develop and develop more and more, even in your artwork. So I feel like when you are an art kid first um, and you kind of really focus on the fundamentals of art, you learn to not overcommit before you get there. So I think that it, it creates a lighter touch too, uh, in a lot of ways, devoid of sex, but 
Yeah, um, bedside yeah. manner is definitely a thing that you'll you'll get from uh, a more female environment, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it reinforced something that, I'm, that I've come to believe uh, more strongly as, as time has gone on is that equally as important as the tattoo that my clients wear uh, is the experience that they had with me. And I have tattoos that I've done that I, you know, that, that are mediocre to me. Uh, maybe I've done tattoos on this client for 15 years and the work that I'm doing on them now, I feel like is my strongest work And the work from 15 years ago, I'm a little bit embarrassed by, and they still show off that tattoo. Like it's the best thing that they own because it, it represents the lot, like the longevity of our relationship. It shows how long we've been, you know, kind of a team, you know, in, in, in this. And, uh, I see it every, every day because I work, I've worked on the same people. My clients are all I don't tattoo any new people. It's all people I've been tattooing forever. And so I, 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 uh, I get to see kind of how all the things that they remember about the experiences. I'll say, when did, how long ago did we even do that piece? Oh, we did this right after my second son was born. Da, da, da. You know, they know everything about the piece. And it's all about that connection we had in that experience and what else was happening in their lives, you know? Um, yeah. Without bedside manner, you don't, you, you miss out on that entire uh you know, without, without developing that relationship, I would say. I think it started with that kind of bedside manner and being concerned about how they, about their experience, you know, at that time. I mean, I learned that in the hair industry. Mm. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's about 60% the haircut you give and 40% the bedside manner and the way you make someone feel. And especially within hair, you're, people are looking for an atonement. They're looking for something to reset and make them feel, I mean, you feel cleaner after you get a haircut, you know, and it, they just touched your head, you know, but that's, that's the magic of that. And when done well, and it's also, it's also a, a profession that requires retention because that's something that's different with tattooing. You, you might get retention if you're awesome and if your clients love you, um, but it, it really, you could tattoo, keep tattooing and never repeat the same person and have a full career and, and keep going and probably be a dickhead while you did it. Cause they wouldn't want to come back, but you could still have a viable career, but with hair, man, if you don't yeah. figure out how to be lovely and, and something that people look forward to coming to see, you will not have a clientele. <laughs> so it, it teaches you a lot of fundamentals about how to actually work with people Plus the consult is so expedited. Like you have to, in five minutes, know what somebody wants of you. And it's like, okay, I'm hearing you, let's go. Uh, you know, you have maybe 10 clients a day. Whereas with tattooing, you might have like one or two, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you're in a, you know, I mean, it depends on what kind of tattooing you do, but you know, I, I have like one or two, you know, mm -hmm. at most. Right, right. Yeah, that's an inter interesting perspective that you've, uh, that you've found through those, the relationship with those two. I always think about how I've tattooed a lot of hairdressers over the years. And I always think about how, um, how similar our, our uh, professions are, but yeah, that is one definite difference. Just the time that you actually have to develop with that person. It's not very much with hair and it's really easy. I know people that change hairdressers. I mean, my wife even, uh, you know, she like, one thing goes a little bit south or she's like, you know, she never gets this one part of my hair, right? That, that part never is colored. I'm going to try something different. <laughs> It's like, you know, if my clients were as picky as my wife is about hair, I would be in yeah. trouble. Well, and it's a communication thing, right? Like uh, yeah. that was, that was a grounding thing I learned. My dad's had clients. He's been, he's been cutting hair my whole life. And um, he has clients that he, he's cut the community's hair. Like 
his clients now are people that he's cut their kids hair and then now their kids kids hair so but it's all based on every six to eight weeks you know like they come back and you end up learning these people but when you want that kind of long-term connection with somebody you do figure out how to communicate very effectively very quickly and you teach your clients almost that you're a safe space for them to communicate with and that's something that again i feel like in the tattoo industry you know we could we could learn a little bit more about like um you know it's 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 our art and we can definitely stand behind that on an integral level but it's also their skin and they have to wear it permanently so to let them feel like they have a very safe trusting space to communicate their wants is is so vital it's so vital yeah yeah absolutely yeah, I've known plenty of artists over the years um, who shoot themselves in the foot at every consultation uh, by just the way they, uh, they interact, either just not recognizing, I think, where the client is. I think it's important in, in this business that you meet people where they are and not where, you know, you expect them to be or not where they, you know. And a lot of times, you know, a client will come in and they'll seem very, I hate to say demanding, but they'll, you know, maybe they'll have a bullet point of like, all, bullet point list of all the stuff that they want out of out of this tattoo and what I've learned to do is is go like well do, do they how stuck on all this are they really or do they just feel like they have to take some ownership because it's a it's an intimidating experience and so yeah. we kind of explore kind of you know where they actually are and what is important to them and what's not and how malleable they are with ideas and so uh and I can't tell you how many tattooers I've known over the years who or become instantly standoffish. And, and then the conversation ends with something like, yeah, you can't really do that. Nah, I mean, I can't do that. Uh, yeah. And that's the, end of the, that's the end of the discussion. It's like they're out the door to another shop. It's like, you don't know that that person even wanted that. It, you didn't ask any question. You didn't say why you can't do that. You didn't say we could do that. Maybe if we did this or this, or here's some of the problems with approaching it that way. And maybe this is a better option. Like we didn't, you know. If well, you and if it, if it is, a case where you just simply like don't feel connected I mean if you're in it for any given amount of time I think um the best thing to do is to refer a friend if they are to walk out the door feed your friends you know like you, that's the whole thing about being integral to your artwork for me is that like I'm not a one-stop shop I'm not the Walmart of tattooing I have a very specific style that if you look at the history of my tattooing you can tell whether or not we'll be in alignment and we'll further tell with the consultation. But if we're not connecting, I know enough people integrally and kindly to refer somebody to that probably will suit their needs very well. And for me, that's, that's an important community thing anyway, of just being like, and I, and it shows a lot of confidence too and your product and what you stand behind, because I think that people very much so respect that and they'll come back to you for what you do later because of how integral you take yourself and how much you help them mm -hmm. find what they were looking for and then it also shows that you're not greedy you're not hungry you're not out doing this just to get their money mm -hmm. um there's there's a great sense of pride in the community and what you do and the passion for what you do when you when you approach it that way yeah 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 i i, I completely agree with that we spend um uh, so my, I, I just work on one big piece. I just do a flat day now. So a lot, most, a lot of the tattoos that end up coming through are not tattoos that, um, 
that I can, uh, or not tattoos that, that I can take on. And, uh, and, I, and my assistant, Allie, deals with all the appointment stuff. And so whenever she first came on, I said, we tried to make a list of people in town who did certain types of tattoos. I'm like, you know, if they jump on our waiting list and they're not a good fit, or it's a tattoo that looks like it's gonna take 10 minutes, let's, let's try to point them in the right direction. And, um, and then I find that Allie ends up in these like back and forth conversations with people who I'm never gonna tattoo. And, sh and she's paid by the hour. And so <laughs> every so often, every month or so, I'm like, Allie, how much money did we spend this month on sending people to other tattooers? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like, I mean, in truth, I mean, if, if you're to get religious about it, you know, they, they pass that plate around for 10% every single time you meet to atone with the universe, uh, God, whatever you want to call it. And for me, that's the 10% of karmic connection that I give all the time to my craft, to my community, to everybody. And I think that when you have that kind of abundance attitude, it just it just keeps providing for you in ways that you would never imagine, and it's really really cool. And and because we always do have to meet with each other for conventions and things like that, it's really good to do that when people are like, "Oh my God, you've been sending me people for years. I I barely know you, but like I'm really happy now that I get to meet you." And then you have this whole connection. It's really amazing how that that comes around tenfold. And yeah. you know that's kind of how I see it. It's just like you know, I'm making money. I'm having fun. I'm doing what I love to do. I hope to do it to the day I die. Um, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to look at it. All yeah. right. It's, it's, it's five after I've got, I've, I've I know you got to draw. I've got it. Yeah. I've got to get, I've got to get out of here, but I really enjoyed it. Oh. Sorry, everyone that we didn't, uh, that we didn't actually draw today. I'm uh, sorry it, turned in, it turned into a, yeah, it turned into a fun discussion. That's turned into a podcast. We're just going to put it up, give it an episode number on fireside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I got in the way of your drawing time. No, no, that was fantastic. I'm, it was I'm, great I'm, meeting you. Yeah, great to meet you too. Hopefully, hopefully we can do it again sometime. Eric, nice to meet you too, man. Good luck with your uh, with your apprenticeship, with your virtual apprenticeship for at least a little while. Hopefully, not for too much longer. Hopefully, you I was do. gonna just draw on something that I was working on. I didn't know how this would like go within our dynamic, but I want to thank you, Jake, for the shout outs. It was really cool well, of you guys. Well, we did get a drawing today. Perfect. Yeah. No. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yay. He was drawing. Yeah, he look, did draw. My, my awesome apprentice. Look at him. Sweet. <laughs> great. Looks great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm glad. It sounds like I'm, I'm definitely going to subscribe, tune in. I, I, um, I'm glad that we met. I can't wait to listen to listen to some episodes. And uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it again sometime. I'm shocked that more people didn't jump on today's call with that discussion going on. I thought like there are three or four people who are normally on this call that I thought would definitely be in the middle of this kind of talk, but maybe they thought we were rolling too well and didn't want to get in the way. Well, that was really kind of them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Awesome. Well, well thank, thank you. you. Yeah, Bye. nice to meet you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, everyone, we'll see you guys again next week. Oh, new Fireside episode Wednesday. It's part two with this thing with Carson Hill. Uh, put your thinking cap on because it's, uh, oh, we were going to call listen. a series years ago. We we're going to call it Put Your Inking Cap On. So maybe that's what we'll call this. Put your inking cap on for this, uh, for this next one. It's a, uh, it's uh it's dense a lot of info so thanks bye bye <laughs>